How are we doing, church? Thank you so much for taking time to connect with us this morning. Good morning, Creston Campus. It's great to be with you. Hello, everybody at St. Greg's, everybody watching at home. Hey, if you got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Uh, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's where we're going to start at today um, as we start a brand new series. A brand new series we're starting today um, is called Signs of the Times. And we're going to spend the next several weeks looking at what the Bible The Bible, everybody say the Bible. The Bible says about the end times. Not what man says, not what popular culture says, but what the Bible says about the end times. Because here's why. Um, If you're here today, you're watching, here's what I know about you or I'm going to guess about you or assume about you. Um, It's probably true of every single one of us. If I were to um, sit down with you and have a conversation Um, You would probably have, for me, at least one question about the Bible, Jesus, Christianity, the church, right? I mean, because, like, I think you're here, or you're you're watching, or you're in Creston, or at least tuned in because you're somewhat interested or curious about the Bible or Jesus or Christianity or spirituality, right? And and I'm super glad because, like, I learn a lot by asking questions, and so I'm not scared away of the questions. Like, I, I welcome the questions. Now, with that, I've been doing ministry for over 20 years, and I was thinking about the categories of questions that I get. And I was trying to rank them a while back. And I was trying to do, um, we're probably going to do a little sermon series called Questions and Answers coming up. And I was trying to think of questions and things like that. And so I started ranking like those questions. Let me, let me give you the top three things that I've been asked about in my years of ministry. All right, here we go. First thing that people love to talk about, first question that people have, questions about sex. Everybody gets nervous when you talk about sex. Talk about sex, baby. Anyway, um, you do understand it was God's idea, right? I mean, it wasn't the devil's. He he distorted it. That That's what happened. God put naked people in a garden with fruit and said, go for it. It, it was God. I know I'm starting off a little tense. Um, I'm probably maybe going to do like an entire series on sex later this year. I'm going to go through the Song of Solomon. That book is all about sex. And so anybody who says, well, we don't talk about it. You have never read the same Bible. Um, listen, you know, I think that the church has such a messed up view of sex. Not, not just the church, but the world. You think what you, you want to know why it's a sort of why it has such a messed up view? It's because the church has remained silent about it for far too long. I think we need to talk more about it. Amen. Everybody's still nervous. Um, that's fine. Number two, number two question I get questions about the end times. It's amazing the questions that I get about the end times. Now, when I first became a Christian, um, there were these books that were really popular um, called Left Behind. I don't know if you ever read those, um, but they're really, 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 really good books. It's a great story. Um, but because of these books, everybody was citing them as like gospel truth. Like this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to play out. And so um, I dove into studying the end times. Um, and, and the end times, I'm just going to tell you, that's a really hard study. It, it really is. Like they make for a great story. They make great fiction like those books. But but really when you dive into it and you study it, it's difficult. Now, you're probably thinking, what's the third question, Pastor Ryan? It's very simple. Will there be sex in the end times? That's the question I usually get. And here's my answer. I don't know, but God, I hope so. Um, Anyway, um, today, (laughs) for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the end times. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the fact that at some point, 
Jesus is coming back, all right? At some point, Jesus is coming back. Next week, um, we're going to dive deep into Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at some things that Jesus um, specifically said about his return, and we're going to look at the signs and things like that that goes with that. Um, But let me just kind of set the tone for the series like this. Um, If you've been around Central for a while, you've you've maybe heard me say this, or you've maybe heard me teach on this in the past, and um, if you haven't, if you don't know, if you haven't heard this, let me take a second just teach this to remind everybody or just to let everybody know as we kind of dive into this subject about the end times. In Christianity, we have things that are called close-handed issues and open-handed issues. And what I mean by that is there are, there are things that we're all going to agree on as Christians. Like, like there are things that we cannot compromise on, things we have to fight for, like closed hand. Like we're, we're going after it. This is the hill we're going to die, die on. We're, we're right here, closed hand. So closed-handed issues are things that we as believers say are essential to our salvation as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a few examples. Um, These would be things like the resurrection. Like if you're gonna be a Christian, then the resurrection is something you're going to have to believe in. I mean, that's a a closed-handed issue. You gotta fight on that because if you don't believe in the resurrection, listen, the, the, the entirety of Christianity implodes if there wasn't a resurrection. So the resurrection's pretty important, yes or no? Yeah, closed hand. Um, the sinless life of Jesus. We're gonna have to agree on that as Christians. Like, like if you're a Christian, you have got to believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. Uh, the authority of scripture. For me, close hand. I, listen, I believe God's word. I love God's word. I, I believe the entire thing is God-breathed and inspired by him, um, and it's profitable to change us. There's change that happens in like the the authority of Scripture, close hand, the virgin birth, the sinfulness of man, the Trinity, the deity of Jesus, faith alone and Jesus alone, that's the only way to salvation. Like those are close handed issues. Those are things we have to fight for. Open handed issues, these are things that we can talk about and discuss and we can walk away and, and we cannot agree because they're not essential for our salvation. For example, can a Christian drink alcohol? Open-handed issue. Now, see, this is where some people say, no, Christians can't drink at all. Well, what about, what about wine in the Bible? Like, like, what about the people in the Bible that, that, that drank? Like, to me, it's always funny that many times people screaming, you can't drink, you shouldn't drink. Those are the people who should stay away from McDonald's. I'm just throwing that out there for you to consider. <laughs> Open-handed issue, right? Worship style. Open-handed issue. Some people and some churches say you can't use instruments in the church. Well, the Bible talks about string instruments and clanging cymbals. So, like, open-handed issue. Other things are like church government, the day of worship. How often should you take communion? These are like open-handed issues. These are things that divide churches, split churches, that make Christians hate each other, but, but they're really not things that are laid out in the Bible of like, hey, these are things that are essential for your salvation. And the reason I say that today is because the subject, the theological term of, of what we're going to talk about is eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end times. And for me, for me, everybody look here, for, for me, for Pastor Ryan, it's an open-handed issue. And so, like, you don't have to agree with anything I say in this series. That, that's fine. I, I still want you to come. Like, you can still show up. We worship the same God. 
I'm just, over the next several weeks, I'm going to teach you what I really do believe about this subject. But at the end of the day, if you don't agree, that's fine. I, I, I love you, but I'm not going to fight. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to fight about these things. I'll, I'll fight about Jesus coming back, right? That's a close-handed issue, that Jesus is coming back. But when? Like, come on, open hand. Are, are we good? So what today is, today is an overview of the series. And next week, I'm going to give you several reasons why I believe the rapture, like, like, like that's, that's a word you hear, heard before, right? But, but are you using it right? Uh, I'm going to talk about why I believe that Jesus' second coming um, could possibly occur sooner than later based on what Jesus said. Uh, so that's next week. But today, um, today's message is just an introduction to the series. So let me share with you. Um, three mistakes that I believe that we as a church and as Christians make when it comes to the end times. These are, these are areas where we get it wrong. Are you ready? Say yes. Wherever you're at, say yes. Yes. All right, here we go. Mistake number one. We don't talk about it. We'll talk about it. This was me for years, honestly, for, for years. Because when you talk about the end times, some things happen. Num- number one the crazies come out. <laughs> they do. Listen, every church has crazies. Every church has crazies. We're blessed. We only got a few. <laughs> um, but every church has crazies. Now, in some churches, you've seen pastors, they get up and they preach on the end times, and they got the charts, and they got the graphs behind them. And I tell people all the time, that's why Jesus hadn't come back, because he'd been looking at our charts and graphs and can't figure them out. He's like, I don't, I don't know, Dad. I don't know I'm supposed to go back. Uh, so, so we don't talk about it because it brings out the crazies. And then secondly, it gets people worried and freaked out. Now, I was thinking over the past several days, we all have things that freak us out, right? Like we all have something in our life that freaks us out. And if, if you say, oh, nothing, oh, nothing freaks me out, um, you're not really being honest. But many of us do. Things like spiders. How many of you are scared of spiders? Like spiders just freak you out. Like, not me. Like, I'll just smash a spider. Spider's not a big deal to me. Mice? Man. Woo! How about that? Anybody else mice? How about clowns? Anybody freaked out by clowns? Yeah, clowns. I don't even understand the whole idea behind clowns and scaring little kids and all of that. Anyway, another message for another time. Um, the Kool-Aid man? Anybody else? My alone on this one? The, oh, yeah, coming to kill you, Ryan. <laughs> um, some of us, some of us don't like talking about those things. Like, like, listen, for me, you start talking about mice to me, and, and legit, I can feel them start crawling up my leg. Like, freaks me out. The end times. We don't talk about the end times because for some people, it freaks them out. Now, let me give you um, a really quick statistics before, before we get into 1 Thessalonians. Uh, about 30% of the Bible is prophecy. And most of that prophecy actually is end-time prophecy. Now, end-time prophecy is given for two reasons. Number one, to encourage the believer. It's given to encourage the believer. And number two, to warn the non-believer. So encourage the believer, warn the non-believer. So the reason we're told about end time scripture or the end times in scripture is because if we're believers it's to encourage us not not to freak us out and if we're unbelievers it's so that we can be warned now if it freaks you out a little bit still like don't don't worry it doesn't mean you're a bad christian it means we have something in common with a church in the new testament in a place called thessalonica there was a church thessalonica and paul wrote them a letter the apostle paul 
um, wrote a big part of the New Testament. And he wrote to them in First um, Thessalonians because they were freaked out about the end times. They had people showing up and saying that it had already happened, and people were freaked out. And so Paul, this is what Paul writes to them in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's start uh, verse 16. He says, for the Lord himself will come down. Listen, closed hand, he's coming back. 100% he's coming back. He is actually coming back. Jesus is coming back, all right? For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Don't you love that? I was, I was with a group of people one time, and they were debating on what the command, commanding shout would be. And they're saying, like, all these biblical terms and everything. And I'm over there like, does it matter? Like, the Lord is coming down with a commanding shout. Does it matter what he says? Commanding shout and the voice of the archangel. So I love this because Jesus is going to be shouting something. And he got, like, a hype man coming with him. I, I don't that's how I read it. And, and then a band or a DJ or something, because then look, and with the trumpet call of God, he's got our attention, doesn't he? Like if that's happening, like Jesus is coming down and he's shouting, got the archangel coming down and he's saying some stuff. And then you got trumpet dude blowing a trumpet like that. that that's going to get our attention. And, and quick question, does that sound like it will be in secret? Just throwing that out there. We'll talk about that week number three. Um, then watch this. First, the believers who have died will then rise from their graves. That's, that's going to be super cool, by the way. Verse 17, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. I love that. And then he says this. So encourage each other with these words. In other words, with the words I just wrote and what I just told you of how it's going to happen, it hasn't happened yet. This is how it's going to happen. You'll know when it happens because he's going to yell and the archangel is going to be there and the trumpet boy is going to play. And, 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 and when you hear that, that's when it's happening. So don't freak each other out. Like we're not supposed to go to our kids and say, hey, Jesus is watching you. You want to be left behind? You better knock it off. We're not supposed to freak out. Okay, the end times are not supposed to freak us out. It's supposed to encourage us. Now, just real quick, when Jesus comes back, the term for that is called the rapture. All right, and everybody, everybody's heard that word. You understand that word. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know that there is at least one Bible person here, and you're like, technically, the word rapture appears nowhere in the scriptures. And you're right. You're, you are, 100%, man, you're dead on. The word rapture does not appear in the scriptures. But just because the actual word doesn't appear in the scriptures doesn't mean it's not real, right? For example, think about this. This is going to blow up your theology right here. The word trinity doesn't appear anywhere in the scriptures. But that's a pretty big theological term. Would you agree, yes or no? Yeah. So, so encourage each other about the rapture about the fact that Jesus is coming back. Now, here are some quick views on the rapture. We, we may talk about these in the last week in a little bit more depth, maybe. I haven't decided where I'm going fully with that. Um, but real quickly today, here are some views. Letter A, there's pre-trib. It's pre-tribulation view. Some people believe that there's gonna be a pre-tribulation 
rapture, which means we'll be raptured, and then the Antichrist will rule on earth for seven years, and then Jesus is going to come back again, and the world's going to end. All right, that, that's the first one. Um, letter B is a mid-tribulation rapture. This is where um, people say that we're going to suffer for three and a half years, like tribulation is going to be seven years, and so if we're going to suffer for three and a half years, and, and then we're going to get raptured out. Um, letter C is the post-tribulation rapture, meaning after seven years of literal hell on earth, Jesus comes back. Listen, open hand, open hand. And I know right here you're going to ask, well, Pastor Ryan, you're going to teach us what view you have. You're going to tell us, and we're, we got to hold to your view. Um, here's where I'm at. I'm a pan-tribulation guy. I just believe it all pans out in the end. Like, I do. I just, I just believe we just end up there, right? Like Jesus is coming back. I don't know which one there is. The important thing for you to understand is Jesus is what? Coming back. Like Jesus is coming back. And so right now, my question would be, do you know him? Right? So, so that, that's, that's the first mistake. The second mistake we make is that we set dates. That's the second mistake that we make as Christians and as the church. Now, think about it like this. Um, if, you're, if you're married, think back to when you got engaged. When you got engaged, um, what were the first things that people asked you? Uh, see the ring, right? But then the second thing, uh, well, the second thing was probably like, how did he propose? And then the third thing was, when's the date, right? And, and probably at the beginning, you didn't know, and you worked really hard, and you set a date. Now, maybe for some people that date changed based on circumstances or whatever, but for the majority of people, you set a date, and that date is the date, yes or no? Yeah, and so you have a date when you got married. Like if I were to ask you when is your anniversary, all the women, half the men, um, would know the answer to that question. Like when you set an engagement date, you're going to follow through. You're going to get married. And so there are legit some things that we set dates to that are going to happen. Now, on the flip side, how many women here have ever had a baby? That's not a hard question. Um, there's a lot of women saying, oh, no, there was this time, this one thing happened. Like, no, 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 you, you know. Anyway, for those of you who had a baby, did that baby show up on time? Probably not, right? Probably missed its due date, right? I read somewhere um, that only between 5 and 10% of kids show up on their due dates. We make mistakes, the doctor gives us an estimated due dates. We tell people, hey, the baby's going to be here on this date. This is my due date. And then you see that girl two weeks past her due date. That baby ain't come out yet, and she's mad at the world, and her husband went on a business trip, um, hypothetically speaking. <laughs> now, in the religious world, people have been doing this for the end times for years, in fact, if you're around my age, um, I'm 50 years old. And I wasn't a Christian when this happened, um, but I remember it. Um, if you're around my age, you might remember in 1988. This is very popular. Some of you weren't alive, so you're going to have to Google this, but it's true. In 1988, there was a book that came out called 88 Reasons Why, Why the Rapture Will Happen in 1988 by Edgar Wisenhut. I'm not making this up. Dude wrote this. Obviously, he missed it. <laughs> but then, because he missed it, then the dude wrote a follow-up book the next year where he said he was off, like he had calculated it wrong. He did. Like this book says he calculated it wrong. Um, <laughs> this guy, Edward, Edgar Wisenhut, was a NASA engineer, and he did the math wrong. Just let that float in your head for a little while. And so this dude had like a couple of years of like some huge book sales. But then after that, 
Everybody just thought he's a weirdo. There's some other dates. Um, these dates right here. 1914, 1915, 1918, 1925, 1932, 1941, 1975, 1994. You, you say, Pastor Ryan, what are those dates? Well, those are the dates that the Jehovah Witness cult predicted the end of the world. Um, Je, um, Charles Taze Russell, he's the founder um, of the Jehovah Witnesses. He said in 1914, he predicted that the world would end by the end of the year, 1914. And then he said 1915. And then he said 1918. He missed it. And so did those who carry on his tradition. Um, now, he, here's, here's one that most people watching, most people in the room will get. You're, you're, you're probably going to remember this. December 21st, tw- 2012. How, how many of you remember that? But um, on December 21st, 2012, a dude named Harold Camping had so many people convinced that the world was going to end on that date. I had a really good friend who was a Christian who was convinced that that was going to be the end of the world. Um, We had a conversation one day, and he's like, hey, man, we need to get serious about this 2012 thing. I was like, I don't know anything about the 2012 thing. And he said, man. Jesus is coming back. I said, in 2012? He said, yeah, December 21st. I was like, I don't know much about the Bible, like as much as you do, um, but, I, but I do know that Jesus said nobody knows the day or the time. He goes, yeah, um, but have you heard about the Mayan calendar thing? I was like, to be honest, dude, I thought Mayans were extinct. Like, I don't, I don't know any Mayans. Like, I've I seen, like, I, I, I don't know. And he said, yeah, but before they were extinct, their calendar ran out on December 21st, 2012. And 12. I was like, um, do you think like maybe it ran out because the last one of them died and they didn't write any more dates? Uh, here, here's where I'm going with this. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. And so if you're here for this series and you want me to pick a date and you want me to tell you exactly how Jesus is coming, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And here's a side note. Neither do you, neither does anybody you know, and neither does anybody alive today. Because Jesus himself said nobody would know the date. I'm about to show you, but but listen, he did say, he said we wouldn't know the date, but he did say we could know the season. He said, hey, I'll give you some signs so that you'll be aware. That's why there's so much prophecy in scripture about the end times. He said, you're not gonna know the date or the hour, but I'll let you know the season is gonna happen. I'll show you one of the things, we'll talk more about this next week, but in Matthew 24, verse 32, it's one of the things he said. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. And, and we'll spend some time talking about that next week. Um, learn, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. So, like, you, you know the season. You know seasons have changed. He goes on to say this. In the same way, when you see all these things, and you're thinking, what are all these things? Next week, I'm going to give you several reasons. I believe we're super close based on what Jesus said. That, that's what all these things are. When you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Then he says this, however, no one, what's that next word say? Knows. No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, only the father knows. We won't know. We won't know. Only Jesus knows. Number three, and this is, um, this is the biggest one that, that I think we focus way too much on, is um, we obsess over the how, the what, the when, 
and we miss the who. We obsess over the how, the what, and the when, and we miss the who. Now, there are two types of people who are watching who are in the room who are in Crescent. People with kids, people without kids. Um, If you're without kids, um, because maybe you haven't had kids yet, or maybe your kids have graduated and, and left the house or whatever, this is what you can do tonight. You can look at your spouse and you can say, hey, you want to go out to eat somewhere? And she's, she or he can say yes. And within 15 to 20 minutes, you can be at a restaurant somewhere eating food. If you have kids, it's a different story. You can look at your spouse and say, hey, would you like to go out to eat tonight? And they can say yes. And then Thursday, you can go. I, I didn't realize how big of a deal that was until I had kids. Um, both mine are away at school, but, but I remember this well. I, I can remember when Chloe was a baby and how that just changed everything, how, how we had to focus on so many other things, and there was so much stuff to do before you could actually get to do what it was you needed to do. If you got a baby, you know what I'm talking about. When you get ready to leave, you got to pack some stuff, right? You can't just pick up and go. So, for example, you got a baby, you, you got to get the diaper bag, right? But the diaper bag, I had to find this out the hard way, The diaper bag doesn't just have diapers. The diaper bag also holds a bunch of other stuff, like the outfit that she's going to need when she has a blowout. You know know what I'm talking about? Like the change outfit when the blowout comes? Listen, listen, some of you are like, my kid didn't have a blowout, hasn't had a blowout yet. It's coming. I'm telling you, it's it's coming. Then what else you got to put in the diaper bag? Got to have the bottle, right? Got to have snacks. How how many parents are thankful that goldfish exist? (laughs) Then you got to get the car seat. Right? Because you forgot. You took the car seat out, so you got to go and you got to put the car seat back in. And some of you know, you know <laughs> my theory on car seats. Like, again, that, that, those things invented by the devil. Uh, I know people who say, oh, I've never let a swear word cross my lips. You've never installed a car seat. Like, uh, honestly. And, and so I remember one morning, true story, I was getting the diaper bag. I got the car seat. I put it in the truck. I got everything. I get in the truck. I'm pulling out the driveway. I turn around and look. I've forgotten Chloe. I forgot her. I stuck the little, like, the car carrier, you know, the thing that plugs in to the, like, the base. You plug it in, the, the doohickey, whatever, in the back seat. I left that on the top of the dryer. I got out. I ran in the house. She was fine. Um, she was just smiling, just playing. Just she, she had no idea. But I was so wrapped up in the stuff and where I had to go and how I had to get there that I forgot the most important thing. That's what can happen if we're not careful when we study the end times. We get obsessed with all of the stuff and we forget about Jesus. Listen, it's all about Jesus. Somebody told me last week, um, they don't come here, but they watch online. And they said, Ryan, I'm so excited for the new series. I love it when preachers preach on revelations. (laughs) Um, Listen, I got some pet peeves. And so as we go through this, you need to understand this. This is one of them. It's not revelations. These are the people that go to Walmarts, right? You look up stuff on the internet. It's revelation. There's only one. There was only one revelation. Now, here's my thing. Let me tell you what this series is not. It's amazing to me the amount of people that want to go to Revelation or want me to preach a series on Revelation because they want to talk about the end times. Listen to me. The book of Revelation 
end times is secondary. Primarily, it's about Jesus. Because in every single chapter, they're worshiping and they're focused on Jesus. In every single chapter, Jesus rules and reigns. Every single chapter is about how Jesus has all power and all authority. So the revelation is not when he's coming back. The revelation is he's king of kings and lord of lords, not just then, but right now. So I thought to end this message, why don't we just look at some revelation passages. Um, every once in a while, uh, every once in a while we'll have somebody come in here, and, uh, and this has happened the past couple of weeks, um, and it's great. But they say, you know what, Pastor, I like your message, um, but I don't like your music. Or um, it's too loud. I, I plan to do a message on the near future called It Wasn't About You. Uh, anyway, uh, listen, if you don't like a song, you don't have to sing it. But I want you to listen to me. The way we do worship, I like to call it heaven practice. I don't know if I like loud music and the lights. Well, I have a verse, all right? Revelation 4, 5, it says this. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. It's going to be loud. I don't like it loud. Well, hell is an option. If you're going to go to heaven, it's going to be loud. Now, we get loud here on earth, do we not? We get loud at a football game, a completely meaningless football game, like tonight, the Super Bowl. Is it going to be loud, yes or no? Yeah. We get loud at a rock concert. Why can't the church get loud? Why can't the church celebrate? I mean, we have a resurrection to celebrate. Why can't we get loud? John goes on to tell us in the book of Revelation, when we get to heaven, we're going to sing. Look at this. Um, Chapter 4, verse 8. Holy, holy, holy. This is what we're singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Holy, holy, holy. Do you know that's the only word in the Bible that's repeated three times in a row? We never see grace, grace, grace. We talk about it all the time. We never see mercy, mercy, mercy. We talk about it all the time. We never see love, love, love. We, we talk about that. We talk about love each other, right? I mean, we talk about that's a, that's a big command. You need to love, love, love. We don't ever see it three times in a row. But holy, holy, holy. Now, the word holy means without sin. That means when we sing holy, 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 in that moment, we're focused on Jesus, the only one who lived a perfect, sinless life. Holy, holy, holy. You know what happens when we focus on Jesus? Depression disappears. When we focus on Jesus, anxiety disappears. Worry disappears. Doubt disappears. Because listen, when we get to heaven, no one's going to have to take any meds anymore because we're in the presence of the healer, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There will be no doubt in our mind who sits on the throne. Listen, I know we live in a world that seems like it's out of control. You got Wars in Ukraine and Israel, we got government issues, this is going to happen, this isn't going to happen, we got to do this, we got our own personal issues, but at the end of the day, we need to understand we have a God who rules and reigns supreme, and when we get to heaven, we're going to be singing to him, we're going to be worshiping him. In fact, look at this next part, verse 11, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. How many things? 
all things. And they exist because you created what you pleased. I love that. God created what he pleased. God created what he pleased. Now let's think about that for a second. Because maybe there's somebody here, maybe there's somebody watching, and maybe this week you've been fighting thoughts like, my life has no meaning, my life has no purpose, my life has no value. Well, I want to tell you about my friend. He's not my friend. Um, I wish he was my friend. Um, But Elon Musk, this dude, listen to me, regardless of what you think about him, you have to agree, this dude is pretty smart. Yes or no? Yeah, dude invented the electric car, the Tesla. I love it when people go, I'll tell you how to solve the gas problem. Just everybody need to get an electric car. You've obviously never been to Carroll. We have one charging station. We'll, we'll go back to riding horses before we all have electric cars, all right? It's fine. But this guy, this guy is brilliant. Now, a Tesla, if you get a good one, you're talking about $120,000 to $150,000. I don't have one of these. Um, I probably wouldn't have one of those. Uh, I think a Hellcat could eat that thing. Um, but anyway, um, let's say you came home this afternoon. There's a knock on your door. And Elon Musk is there, and he says, hey, listen, I have customized a Tesla just for you, and I want to give it to you. I want you to have it. Would you take it? Absolutely. Don't you say no. Absolutely you would take it because it's special, right? The designer gave you something he custom designed. Now, can we all agree that when it comes to genius level that God trumps Elon Musk, yes or no? And listen, don't miss this. God has given you more than a Tesla. God has given you a life. He's given you a life that is more put together than that thing will ever be. Our life is a gift from God, and he was pleased to create you. Make no mistake about it. He was pleased, and he is still pleased that he made you. Listen, you have never disappointed God, ever, I know somebody may have told you that. People get mad when I say this all the time. But you have never disappointed God. Because if you could disappoint God, then he wouldn't know everything. And if he didn't know everything, he wouldn't be all-knowing. And if he wasn't all-knowing, he wouldn't be God, and he wouldn't be worthy of our worship. The person that told you that, you might have disappointed them, but you've never disappointed God. He was pleased when he created you, and he's still pleased with you. Then John says this in chapter 5, verse 11. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels. I, I love that. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even understand that. Like, we don't even talk like that. But thousands and millions of angels. Like, do the math on that. That's a lot of angels, yes or no? Yeah. Thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. I heard the voices. Let me ask you this question real quick. If there's thousands and millions of angels, is it loud? Yeah, we get like 60 people out in the foyer we can't even hear. Like, it's so so loud. This is better than the last-second touchdown or the last-second field goal or a walk-off home run. This is loud. And what are they doing? They're singing, and they're shouting, and they're saying, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. All attention with these angels is on Jesus. They're focused on Jesus. They're lifting up the name of Jesus. And then, this is where it's amazing, then we, then all of us join in. Because John says this in verse 13, And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. That's all of us. We're all singing. You don't get to stand around in heaven like this, looking down, checking Facebook. 
probably ain't gonna have Facebook in heaven. Just by the way, Snapchat maybe, TikTok for sure. Anyway, um, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. It's going to be loud. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be real because we're going to be focused on one man. And his name is, anybody want to guess? Jesus. His name is Jesus, King of King, Lord of Lords, the one who was and is to come. And that is what the end times is about. So I was thinking, how, how do we end this? How do, we, how do we close out this service? And I can think of no better way than for us to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. For us, wherever you're at, for us to just take a few moments, just take all of our thoughts and put all of our attention and all of our focus on Jesus. And just let Jesus be the center of our attention and our affection. So as you reflect, or if you choose to sing, I hope these next several moments will serve as an incredible blessing and a reminder that he's coming back, and it's going to be amazing. Let's pray.